Hi everyone and welcome back to the History Hive. So this week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we are going to be looking at some of the most common and well-known myths. Uh, and this week these myths are going to be about Anne Boleyn. And if you've already listened to the episode we've done on Anne Boleyn, you might be able to dispel some of these on your own. But there are a lot of myths about her and... We thought we'd have some fun debunking some of them. And we're going to divide them into two different categories. So first category is Anne's physical appearance. And the second is more attacking her personality and her actions. So, sorry, Anne. No, because we're here to clear her name in some senses. Yeah. And in others, Katie might be calling her ugly. Okay. Let's see. Okay, so I'm sure we've all heard the rumor that Anne had six fingers. It was part of the accu- it's part of the accusation that goes into calling her a witch. If we're being completely logical, if she had a six finger, first of all, Henry probably wouldn't have married her because that would have been a very obvious sign of witchcraft, and therefore he would have not wanted to marry a, like Henry wouldn't have gone into it being like yeah let me marry a witch kind of thing like if she obviously had like a sick finger and then the only source that we have basically stating that she had six fingers is from a guy called Nicholas Sander who is going to appear regularly or well, multiple times from my throughout this because he was not an Anne fan no no, he was not. He was a salty Catholic in exile under the reign of Elizabeth I, who basically just wrote just to tarnish the image of Anne Boleyn. Um, so that's the only source we have claiming she had a six finger. Also, we it was under the reign of Elizabeth I, like he almost certainly never met Anne. Yeah. But also, even if Nicholas Sander wasn't an Anne fan, like at worst, he didn't like her. But even if he was kind of indifferent to her. The way he was writing, he himself never mentioned witchcraft. It was only people writing about what he said that then brought into witchcraft. So it's also likely that he wasn't actually attacking her. He was just kind of going upon what other people had said and embellishing that a little bit more to describe her. Like, to him, the thing he didn't like about her was that she was a Protestant, not that she was a witch. So it could be less like him trying to say he's a witch and more just an embellished, dramatised description. Yeah. And also people at the time, so we talked a lot in our Amberlin episode about the Ambassador Chapuis. How are we we pronouncing that? Chapuis? Chapuis? Chapuis, who was not an Anne fan at all. He, if he knew that she had a sixth finger, he almost definitely would have been writing about that in every other sentence in his letters. So... The fact that he doesn't talk about her having a sick finger at all as a man who didn't like her, it really does call into question whether this was true because he would have taken any opportunity to sort of belittle Anne or make her not look very good. And then the final kind of thing, piece of information I found to debunk this is that in recent years, researchers have opened her tomb and studied her bones. First of all, they could only find 10 bones worth of fingers and also there appear to be I guess this kind of like moves us on to other things to do with her appearance there appear to be no clear deformities from her bone structure so like maybe she did have some crazy moles 
because apparently that makes you a witch as well. But they don't, there doesn't appear to be any kind of like physical deformity as far as like her bone structure goes. So can only find 10 fingers. Yeah. Some people speculate that what she really did have was maybe an extra bit of fingernail or a bump on one of her fingers and that like this got relayed and sort of manipulated and changed and turned into, oh, she had a full-on sixth finger. I personally think this is a bit of a stretch. I don't think that she did, just because, again, I think that it would have been latched on in the contemporary documents that we have that, like, oh, she had an extra bit of fingernail or she had this big bump on her finger. But maybe she did and that's what happened. But it it is interesting how common this myth is because people do genuinely believe it's true also that she had a safe finger the next thing is that she was okay I well I've written this down as she was beautiful like she she could have been beautiful we don't actually know what her appearance was because we have no contemporary paintings of her or portraits or anything because Henry got them all destroyed after he chopped her head off. He was a bit upset. Bless. But it's always did... hard when you kill your wife. It, it hits home. It really does. But we do know from the descriptions that she was not typically beautiful as like the stereotype, not stereotype, that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like for the time, she wasn't typically beautiful. She definitely wasn't a typical English rose because those were people with blonde hair, blue eyes and very pale skin. Instead, she was kind of the opposite. She had she had very dark brunette hair, according to all like written records that still exist, with olive skin and almost black eyes. And perhaps this is what made her like people describe, like assume that she's beautiful because she was different. And so maybe she's a bit enchanting, but she wasn't stereotypically beautiful for the time. No, especially in comparison to Catherine of Aragon, who was like known to be this great beauty. And Boleyn was not really in comparison, at least by their standards. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, we have Nicola Sander said she was handsome to look at, which isn't bad. And considering he's someone who we think could be kind of criticizing her, or at least like, I don't know. But also, on the witch thing, there was a big... In 1580, Jean Baudin wrote this big thing called the Demonomania of Witches. And in that, he said that beauty can only come from God. And since Aunt Sander describes her as handsome to look at, and therefore witches would be ugly, it's kind of like he's not calling her a witch, he's just describing her, because... If he wanted to call her a witch, he wouldn't say she was handsome. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then other things that were like physical that made her a witch. They said she was tall in stature, which tall people were thought to be really lusty, all of that. They said she was sallow in complexion, as if troubled with jaundice, which is supposed to be a reference to a witch's habit of living in the forest and all just being like a bit deprived starved that kind of thing so that she had a projecting tooth under her upper lip and a large went on her chin but again this is nicholas sanders description reinterpreted by other contemporaries and by people since and so we can't really 
take much of it like at face value. This sort of leads on a bit to the idea that Anne was this big seductress and temptress and that she was the one that sort of plotted to take Henry away from Catherine and which may be a little bit more opinion-based than a complete myth but it doesn't have that much strength to it as an argument. We only have Henry's letters to Anne. None of Anne's letters replying to Henry have survived but we can tell from the way he's writing to her that she's not giving it all back. He's having to work for her and people will still find a way to twist that to be like oh well she was playing hard to get is it playing hard to get or is it desperately trying to run away hard to say yeah like nowadays it would probably be somewhat considered like workplace sexual harassment because if you think about it court was her workplace like he's her boss like it would be like no matter how complimentary he is about her pretty duckies I found one of him wanted, I found one about him wanting to kiss her boobs. Yeah, that's it. The pretty duckies. Oh, the duckies the boobs. I think I read something else then. I was like, bro. Maybe, maybe he mentioned her boobs multiple times. Is I that wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> maybe we <laughs> add that to the list of physical things. She was slightly tall, maybe a bit jaundiced, but had amazing great boobs. Great, <laughs> great rack on her. <laughs> But also, I think this goes back to, like, once again, the ideas of, like, this, a seductress, not stereotype, but, like, she was either clapped on a witch or she was a seductress, like, pick a battle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No. And that was, I thought, really beautifully said, Katie, also. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's that- one of the other. But she wasn't this p- big, rampant seductress that she's quite often portrayed as. Yeah, well, I think this leads quite nicely into who she was before she kind of joined court. And then there's lots of things around that. People think, often think that she was like this big seductress because she was part of French court. And, you know, the French court was a bit more loosey-goosey with with some stuff. But she, basically, the rumours about her kind of being a seductress, sleeping around, I guess state back to before French court. So before the context, what we actually historically factually know is that before the French court, she was in service of Margaret of Austria. So not living in England as well. So it basically would have made these claims next to impossible. We know that she joined the court of Margaret of Austria in 1514, when she was about 13 or 14, if we assume she was born in 1501, which is kind of one of the earliest dates that we think she might have been born. Otherwise, she would have been significantly younger. But that's very important because our fave person ever, Nicholas Sander, wrote that at 15, she sinned with her father's butler and then with his chaplain and was forthwith sent to France. Now, it's just not really... <laughs> that's like... That would be very hard logistically for Anne to do. So bless him, he's really just trying to throw... It does seem a bit like he's trying to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, obviously she would have been home every now and then, but she wasn't sent to France because she was too busy getting it on with her dad's butler and the chaplain. She was sent to France because she proved herself as a lady-in-waiting to Margaret of Austria. And so they were like, Joe, he would be actually really great. Anne 
And so then everyone hates to see a successful woman. Honestly, they do. They do. They do. And then when she was at French court, he said that she was called the the English mayor because of her shameless behavior. And then the royal mule because she became acquainted with the king of France, basically suggesting that she slept with the king of France before she came to English court. Which again, good for her. Honestly, if she's collecting those kings, like yeah, like Pokemon, <laughs> like Pokemon, then good for her. But it's but this very also unlikely. it's highly unlikely. First of all, this is probably very unlikely, and it's also very unlikely that she had an affair with anybody while she was at French court. If we break down what we, because we don't know a lot about her time, but if we kind of look at it from a logical perspective. We know that she originally went as part of Princess Mary's court and then stayed on as a lady-in-waiting to Queen Claude, who was extremely pious. And as previously mentioned, we don't really know how old Anne was, but if we assume that she was towards the older end of the spectrum of kind of possible date of birth years that we have, she would have been about 15, 16, which is a similar age to the age that Claude was. So they probably were quite close because Claude wouldn't have had very many ladies in waiting that close in age to her. And she was also a, Claude was a very, very pious woman who, quote, insisted upon high morality and restraint and showed a strict regard for etiquette and expected the same from her household. So it's unlikely that Anne would have been able to stay in Claude's service for as long as she did if she was having affairs left, right and centre at French court. And I think the most telling part of the whole thing is that she would have spent uh, the majority of her time at French court, technically away from the French court, because she was in service to Queen Claude, who preferred to live away from the court because she found it a bit too, she found it a bit too, you know, crazy. crazy. Jinx. She found it a bit too crazy and also she was pregnant like every year. I think she had like seven pregnancies and eight years of marriage or something. And every time she got pregnant, she would go away. Bearing in mind, she was away most of the time anyway, even if she wasn't pregnant, to the chateaus of Amboise and Blois. So basically, and Anne was in her service, so Anne most likely would have gone along with her. So what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a very high... It's highly unlikely, you know, we have more information to suggest she didn't than to suggest she did. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, like, there is such a big thing around Henry and, like, gentleman's honour and everything ties in to how people see Henry. So, like, the prosperity of the nation is synonymous with him, but also, like, the behaviour of his court and his wives are linked to his reputation. So for his own benefit, surely he wouldn't have taken a wife who he knew to be, you know, unchaste because it would really affect him. And he had her as a mistress, kind of. But, like, there was no benefit to him if she wasn't, like, pure enough. I don't know. No, it's true. He probably wouldn't have married her if he had had that reputation in France at the time because they were, like, his biggest competitor. One of the most, I would say, common myths, but I don't agree with that, so I don't know why I said it, but I think one of the myths that people genuinely do 
think is true and see a lot of rationale behind is the myth that Anne committed incest with her brother. And people tend to justify this with, oh, she wasn't getting pregnant with Henry. She maybe thought Henry was impotent or Henry was impotent or he wasn't, but he was infertile or something. So her logic was, oh, sleep with my brother and then get pregnant and give him a son. And people also say this because, well, she must have had an affair. People are like, of course she must have had an affair. And logistically, it would have been tricky for her to do because the Queen of England would have rarely been alone one-on-one with a man. But people go, well, she would have probably had the chance to be alone one-on-one with her brother. So she probably slept with him then. But this is just (laughs) sort of not... I don't know how to even describe it. It's it's not that that strong of, of a claim. And it's quite easy to disprove I would say just based on Anne's character she was highly religious and incest is frowned upon people do tend to think of oh Tudor times they were all incestuous maybe with your everyone was banging their brother yeah maybe (laughs) they were banging their cousin yeah you would overlook a sort of cousin a distant relative would be fine but siblings that was that was not okay and it was it was simple and Anne was very pious she would not have risked her immortal soul just to sleep with her brother I don't um and people go oh they were very close but but they were close because they were siblings and to be fair Anne was going through a very difficult time and needed her family around her the Boleyn was the Boleyn family was sort of a unit but Mm. But I see this quite a lot in actual academic texts that people will go, oh, well, Anne and and George. And it's like, mm, yeah. well, I also saw, I think it's something that's been sensationalised like through history, this idea that like, oh my gosh, Anne like committed incest because that's still, some that was something that was frowned upon at the time and is still something that's very frowned upon. Like I feel like a lot of things have changed society, but everyone's stance on incest, sibling on sibling interest has stayed very much the same, I would say. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's a big no-no. But <laughs> there's only one, there's only one primary or contemporary source that in, even insinuates that they were having an affair or not even ha- that they were having an affair, that they might have had an affair. And that is a source. And I think it was from an ambassador, but I can't remember. But basically the source says, they're like, it basically is like, Ew, George went to go see Anne before he went to go see the king. He went to go talk to Anne and comfort Anne before he even said hi to the king upon returning to England. And first of all, that is a snub to Henry. But Anne was going through a rough time. He probably was just there to check in on her. She'd probably been sending him letters, be like, please come home. Things are really um, good. Yeah. So it's also the queen. It's not like a huge snub to the king. Like he's gone to see the queen, who's his sister first. Like, I don't know, I personally can't really blame him, but that's the only source that insinuates, the only primary source that I can find that insinuates anything slightly, you know, that they were, like, a bit too close. That's... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's no. like, eyes, eyes. It does... It feels like what you said before, Katie, the throwing things at, at the wall and see, seeing what sticks as they go well. We're calling her a sexually promiscuous woman and attemptress and a bit morally corrupt. So what what is something that is just a big no, you can't overlook it and at all. It's, well, not only did she have an affair, but she had an affair with her own brother. 
it's just something really inexcusable and disgusting. So the hope is that people would latch onto it. And they did. They did, to be fair. So there's also one more thing about this, which is that obviously this episode is more about Anne than it is about George. But if we do take George into consideration here, as he is one half of this crime, we have more evidence to believe that George was gay than he was straight. Obviously, he married a woman, but apparently... That was not a happy marriage. Not a happy marriage. I'm not even... I think they, like, consummated and then that was it. And she speaks out against him. Yeah, because she was unhappy because she wasn't getting laid. Sorry, no kidding. Um, <laughs> um, because she was, un- like, it wasn't a happy marriage. They weren't close. He wasn't into her. It was very much political. And we have more evidence to believe that George was ha- busy having affairs with men than he was his sister kind of sleep with his own sister and like let's be serious at the end of the day if he was gay there was a societal pressure for him to sleep with a woman but not his sister so it's unlikely that he would have gone it's actually basically impossible to think that he would have gone for it yeah so probably the the last myth we're going to talk about today is the myth that Anne gave birth to a deformed fetus so well miscarried a deformed fetus and this was around the time just after henry's jousting accident which Anne actually blamed for her miscarriage saying that it was all the stress that it brought on her which is not that far-fetched an idea and a lot there was a lot of speculation that this fetus came out and it was deformed i think it was something to do with its limbs were not yeah, it was by him, and it basically just suggests that she gave birth some kind of like devil spawn alien or something. Like, it's he basically said it was a mass of flesh. Yeah. So it would have been like the whole limb thing and not having defined limbs. Whilst there may have been truth in this in the way that she miscarried the fetus before it was fully formed, but it was also a publicity ploy that giving birth to a deformed baby was a sign of witchcraft it was something that you've it was a reflection of your own sin and people could throw this at Anne and be like look the lack of a son is not at all Henry's fault because look at the kind of babies you're producing yeah basically I think finally to kind of sum it up Anne gets a lot of she gets a really bad rep in history like on a personal level as well like like her personality she often like people often believe that she hated that she had a daughter and while this may have while she may not have been over the moon with the fact that she had a daughter because obviously she was expected to deliver that's because she was expected to deliver a son henry wanted a son and was reported to have fallen in love with elizabeth immediately and visited her frequently she was also reported to have showed her off to the court as the most perfect baby in england which is really cute I think and I think that it's just something that's very much overlooked her role as a mother people just assume that she's kind of shoved her to one side and was like right got more plotting to do you're in my way kind of thing no she was actually a very she adored Elizabeth by all accounts and the other things that which feeds into this idea that she was heartless and cruel which while she probably did well she has well she had a temper we have multiple lots of evidence to back up the fact that she had a temper I feel like it's kind of gotten twisted as she was like this heartless cruel monster who you know celebrated when Catherine of Aragon died and like 
while she may have been a bit relieved because Catherine of Aragon posed like a threat to her, she also many times wrote to Mary. We have her letters survive. She wrote to Mary, like imploring Mary to like beg to like ask her father for forgiveness so that she could come back. Like she was, she looked out for Mary far more than Jane did. And Jane's known as the one that brought her back to court, which is, I'm sure we can go into that maybe on another episode if people like this. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to clear up a few last things about her personality (laughs) because I, doing my research, I was like, "Mm, she's actually kind of sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week. I hope we busted some myths. Yeah, and we hope you enjoyed. Send us feedback, send us love, follow us. Like that. (laughs) us how much you love our podcast. (laughs) And we'll see you in two weeks. Um, (laughs) Bye. History time.